On this episode of the podcast, I tell the guys a tale of impatience and poor evaluation that probably leaves Dodgers fans with feelings of regret to this day. Or mild hangover for championship celebrations, but... Mm, Pretty raging hangover. We'll see how they do this season. In the meantime, recline that sofa and loosen that tie, because this is Mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan, joined by Josh Sweezy, Nathaniel Westover, and the one and only Andy Spice Magnet Spazzato. <laughs> I, uh, I actually do attract a myriad of spices. Um, it started with rutabagas in high school, but uh, luckily That's not it's... spice. I know. Uh, I know. Our it was... expert chef over says rutabaga, <laughs> not a spice. Mm-hmm. Please try again. <laughs> Survey says learn your spices. <laughs> Got a classic Christopher Columbus over here. Doesn't know anything. That's not true. This is my land, though. This is my podcast, right? It, it, my name's on the masthead. So the I masthead put the of the ship of this podcast. The. Uh, yeah. Santa Maria, the Nina, the Pinto beans. Nice, right? So, well, yeah. yeah, On that note, let's get into it. This week we are talking the MLB. That is Major League Baseball. More like Major League Four. Fine to agree with you. (laughs) Uh, Just as a disclaimer, baseball is in general a boring sport, but. Given its rich history and connection with our country and the number of just terrible, terrible management decisions it seems to attract, we have no option but to talk about it. It's just so hard to talk about it. I mean, you spend half the time just listing off numbers. I know. And yeah, it's a lot of numbers. Yeah, There's like a bajillion different stats and then another <laughs> bajillion that are combinations of those first bajillion stats. And if, like, you, if you don't know what the abbreviations mean, you're just, you're just screwed. No, yeah. you're screwed. So we're just going to stick with like general terms like hits, stolen bases, strikeouts, wins and we'll, <laughs> you know the uh the most exotic we'll get is era because nothing else matters. like who what what even is a whip you i know? love that card game i'm gonna tell you watch and hits per innings pitch but thank you nerd that nerd was nerd. Uh, nathaniel westover <laughs> ladies and gentlemen he is not single um i know that might have revved your engine but damn it pump the brakes, speed racer now now i'm upset he will be correcting us whenever we say something yeah. factually incorrect about baseball. Now. Yeah, right out the gate again with the disclaimer. Uh, because baseball is boring, we know very little. But yeah. what we're learning on the fr- on the fly, uh, Westover is actually a uh, relative expert when it comes to comparing him with us. <laughs> so he's going to uh, keep us on the straight and narrow. Isn't that right, bud? Oh, we'll try. That 90-foot <laughs> path between bases. Baseball. Boom. Now let's start. All right, let's start. We're going to be taking you guys back to 1993, and this is going to be a warning to any small Dodgers fans that you may want to cover your ears. Or, as Westover alluded to earlier, just rest on your current championship status while you listen to how former Dodgers GM Fred Clare, with the support of team manager Tom Lasorda, RIP, Dodger Mm -hmm. legend, recently passed, 
offered one of the more regrettable trades in MLB history. So, oh boy. yeah, no, get ready. <laughs> so following the 1993 season, the Dodgers were five years removed from their last World Series title and coincidentally their last playoff appearance. The Dodgers had a talented roster at the time and a fairly stable front office, but just couldn't seem to put it all together. Part of that has to do with the fact that at this time, baseball only let like four teams into the playoffs every oh, year. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. No, why? It was March. There was a year that that this was that year that there was a hundred win team at like one hundred four, and then another hundred and three win team in the same division. The hundred three uh, win team didn't make it in <laughs> because God. baseball wow. rules are ridiculous. Wow. But they've since changed that, and they make a little bit more sense now. But anyways, the Dodgers, they were well put together, but couldn't make it into the playoffs in the last five years. They had the reigning National League Rookie of the Year in Mike Piazza, who also had won Silver Slugger for his position at catcher. And they had star pitcher Oral Hershischer. You can check <laughs> me out if that's how you say his name once again. I'm, I'm I, inclined to tr- trust you. I, I, I want to trust you on that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. It just sounds right. And if it's not, I, I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't want to be the one to say it. So, you know, props to you. If it's wrong, I don't want to be right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the same boat. <laughs> but Hershischer, who won all, had just won National League Silver Slugger for pitchers. So they had a couple studs there. However, Dodgers GM Fred Clare felt that the team needed a few adjustments in order to better compete in the National League. Clare had two major concerns on this list, speed and second base. The Dodgers finished off the 1993 season with fairly average numbers with regards to base running. They kept pace with the league average for hits at, uh, here come those numbers, uh, <laughs> 1,458, but were one of the bottom six teams in total bases at 2,138. Uh, basically, to interpret those numbers to you, they didn't run far after hitting the ball. Uh, <laughs> but did they run with all their heart? Probably. I you can ask them, man. I, I mean, probably not, actually. <laughs> they averaged about did they, one. Did they believe in themselves? Well, they hadn't been in the playoffs in five years. So I'm going to also go ahead <laughs> oh, and say see, this probably is why. not. Not a lot of heart. This is why. It's like yeah. classic angels in the outfield situation without the uh, glamour of Hollywood. <laughs> mm. Except still in L.A. Still, yeah. But they were getting about 1.4 bases per hit. So basically, they were getting a lot of singles. Uh, They did, however, post above average numbers with regards to actually stealing bases, but they still trailed the league leading Expos by more than 100 in that category. Uh, And additionally, they got caught stealing about a third of the time, which isn't terrible, but it could definitely be better. And would be well, when you can't run the when you can't run the bases to begin with, that's, you know, not not great. Yeah. Well, they had to steal extra bases because they couldn't get to second they were only getting first. <laughs> yeah. It's a really it's just a, a vicious cycle of terrible base yeah. running that the Dodgers found themselves in. And man, I'm rooting for him to get out of it. Someday. Maybe. One, yeah. <laughs> uh, additionally, the loss of starting second baseman Jody Reed to free agency presented an obvious point of concern. Uh Jody Reed was one of the better second basemen in the league at this point, and they had the opportunity. They offered him to come back, but he just had no interest. He did not want to be a Dodger. But the loss did present an opportunity for Claire to address both of his concerns at the same time, uh, second base and speed. 
Reed would have been turning 31 and was a relative non-factor when it came to base running. So his departure could be used to gain some youth quick and quickness at the second base position. Claire found the perfect missing piece to solve his problem in the form of 24-year-old second baseman Delano DeShields of the Montreal Expos, which you'll recall from about a minute ago, were the league leaders in stolen bases in the 93 season. So he's, he's really good at stealing bases. Oh, yeah. He, uh, yeah. he was averaging about 47 stolen bases a season at this point. He was four years deep into his wow. career. And, wow. yeah, he was averaging a 277 batting average and 47 stolen bases a year. So pretty, pretty solid numbers for a young 24-year-old guy. <clears throat> Some league coaches and executives even speculated that DeShields might have been the best second baseman in baseball at the time, if you consider, you know, wow, youth who and <laughs> who would you start your team with. Yeah, that yeah, kind that of sense. nonsense. Um, <laughs> All that garbage. Yeah, that's ageism, <laughs> all right? Give me a 40-year-old Udonis Haslam mm. over Luka Doncic every time. <laughs> Uh, finally, something I can relate to. Yeah, veteran leadership. <laughs> Read about it. <laughs> but DeShields, he had speed, he had power, and he had Claire watering at the mouth. Gross. For lack of a better, there's probably a better that's, term. That's not, that's not a sentence it's I want to hear. 100% a better way to say that. <laughs> Why don't you take a crack at it, guy? Uh, Fred Claire was salivating. That's so much worse. <laughs> it's so much worse. Fred Claire couldn't stop drooling over. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Fred Claire's <laughs> mouth was so moist with anticipation. <laughs> damn, this all get out. Uh, damn, and this is all historic. I've always said that, and I will die on that soapbox. Motion to have damp be officially worse than moist. Uh, say here, I. I, I hear. Uh, yeah. yeah. Motion pass. Yeah. Nice. All right. Now that's settled. Uh, normally, such a young talent such as DeShields would not have been available for trade, but the Expos had some payroll concerns to sort out, and they needed a right-handed starter pitcher. These concerns, in addition to acceptable talents to replace DeShields, led the Expos to view him as a marketable asset to shore up their pitching concerns while simultaneously keeping the team under budget. Uh, all in all, not a bad assessment. So far, Claire had done everything right as well. He had accurately assessed his roster's needs and identified the best asset to fix those needs. But since we are talking about him, this trade clearly had a mistake in the negotiation process. All right, all right. break it down for me. Tell me how oh, it falls apart. Oh, I'll break it down. Yeah, he, he, he earned it. Oh, no, I, no numbers, Westover. We talked about that. Oh, we'll get to the numbers. Nobody cares. Let me tell you, it had my accountant sleeping. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, I am salivating at the mouth, ready for this. Thank numbers. you. Got our regular Fred Claire over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we have to wait just a little bit because no. to understand this deal fully, we have to go back in time a bit to a deal that Claire made two years prior in 1991. <laughs> that was us going back in time further. Thank you. Bye, Josh Twizy. <laughs> In 1991, Claire made a trade that sent two young pitching talents in Tim Belcher and John Wetland to the Reds for center fielder Eric Davis and pitcher Kip Gross, who never made it into a consistent rotation of the bullpen. So you can already just count Kip Gross as a lost cause. I got, I got to be honest. Kip Gross is the perfect, terrible baseball oh. name. Like, if you're going to be born with a baseball name, it's it's yeah. that name. But if you're going to be bad at baseball, it's, it's good for Cincinnati. Name. There's no doubt. There's no <laughs> doubt. It, yeah. It never should have left. Because yeah. actually, 
after failing to make a consistent rotation, the Dodgers two years later, Kip Gross would end up being sold to the Nippon Ham Fighters of the Japanese Pacific League. Wait, their mascot is just the fighters? The Nippon Ham Hold Fighters. <laughs> they couldn't come up with anything else other than fighters? I'm not Wait. sure if Nippon Ham is a city or not. I don't know. It might be a region. Maybe... Maybe it's like their favorite, uh, their their national food. It's the Nippon ham. <laughs> the They're the Nippon, Nippon ham, ham fighters. fighters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is very new and quite possibly <laughs> offensive. So we're going to. And honestly, here. it might be. I I am we're so going to sorry. go somewhere else with it. Kept growing. I just can't believe they shipped him off to Japan. Well, he was. I don't want to say bad because also that sounds offensive to the Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But, oh, all right. Right. Let's just move on. <laughs> By the end of the 93 season, Davis was gone, and Gross, as I just told you, was also gone. Flash forward back to the after the 93 season, the Dodgers' rotation of starting pitchers had an average age of about 30. Once again, this isn't a horrible number, but it could definitely be better. Are you kidding me? 30 is decrepit. Not in baseball. Shockingly. <laughs> Shockingly. What you see Tom Brady doing in the NFL, that's like, What's expected of your pitchers in the MLB? It's close. <laughs> back in that time. Oh yeah. Well, back Holy then, Ryan was pitching until he was mid upper forties. Well, when you have a bunch of twelve year contracts, you mm. know, you're basically buying someone's livelihood. <laughs> Baseball, it is just oh, it's bonkers. It is bonkers. Bonkers is the correct word. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so they had an average of about 30, and none of their relief pitchers were capable of posting starting pitching numbers to, you know, fill out some of that age gap, except for one, 21-year-old Pedro Martinez. Martinez was serving as an effective relief pitcher for the Dodgers in 93, but had come up through their farm system as a starter. So he was pretty well prepared and primed to make the move to a starting pitcher and help help shore up their uh, their rotation. Nope, never heard of him. Well, you're about to. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Martinez had promising stats in 93. He had a team-leading uh, 6.67 win-loss percentage, so he won two out of every three games, oh. which is actually good. Once Thank again, you for those. Yeah. You know, Westover, you can confirm or deny any of this. Um, and he had an ERA of 2.61, which, once again, pretty solid. Very es- good. Especially for a rookie. Hmm. And he led the team by far with 10 strikeouts per nine innings, which basically just means if he had played nine innings, he would have averaged 10 strikeouts. And that's a lot. Yes. Yes. It's a lot. Sure. He got 119 strikeouts and 107 innings pitched that season, Uh, which, once again, Westover, is that good? Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Which is pretty wild. Naturally, given the Expos' needs, Martinez was the player they wanted in return for DeShields. And to Claire's credit, he tried to offer other players instead of Martinez. Reportedly, however, Expos GM Dan Duquette. Mm. Mm, Montreal. Put a little spice oh. on it. I know. Put a little uh, <laughs> whipped cream a little on my on baguette. <laughs> Put a little rutabaga on it. Ooh, you guys got rutabaga on, on my croissant. <laughs> <laughs> Take me over to the ice rink. <laughs> uh, but Duquette, he was already on the fence about dealing to Shields, and he almost backed out of the deal uh, when negotiations started to stall. So Claire eventually succumbed to Duquette's offer in a straight-up deal, Martinez for to Shields. 
Claire ended up trading away an all-time great as Martinez would go on to have a Hall of Fame career, playing four seasons in Montreal before, once again, payroll concerns forced the Expos to deal him to the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> Ain't that the way. Ain't that the way. Uh, the way Montreal goes. Also, for those of you who aren't aware or maybe have never heard of Montreal Expos, they don't exist anymore. Uh, and money was definitely a factor. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to say it's 100% the reason they don't exist anymore, but it, it's 72. 72%. At least. <laughs> uh, over his career, Martinez would end up winning three Cy Young Awards, which is the award for best pitcher. Uh, he would lead the league in ERA five times. He would lead the league in wins once, get the pitching triple crown once. Westover, if you could tell us what the what pitching, pitching triple crown yeah. is. Uh, I believe it's ER, best uh, lowest ERA, most strikeouts, and uh, most wins. That sounds about right. I'm, I'll trust him. The third one is, and he got that, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. You never really hear about that. Yeah, no, that's really hard to get. Uh, and he got one eight All Stars, uh, and he had one World Series title in 2004 with the Red Sox, the World Series that broke the curse of the Bambino. So legendary. Oh, you mean that Pedro Oh, Martinez. yeah, that oh, one. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, the one that's a poster on yeah. our wall. Uh, <laughs> DeShields, on the other hand, only played three seasons with the Dodgers before leaving in free agency. And during that time, he posted fairly mediocre averages. Uh, he batted 243 and st- only stole 38 bases a season, which isn't far off from what he was doing, but it's definitely worse and not at all the development that the Dodgers were hoping for. (laughs) Beyond the obvious career discrepancies between these two players, this trade is particularly painful for the Dodgers for a few reasons. Uh, The first being there were other second basemen available to the Dodgers that could have met or exceeded the performance of DeShields without having to give up Martinez. Uh, The two most notable as they relate to the Expos desires and needs were uh, sorry, the Dodgers' desires and needs were 24-year-old Brett Boone, uh, who was being shopped by the Mariners after the 93 season. He had a average of 273 and only 3.7 stolen bases, but, you know, he would have shored up second base. And 30-year-old Bip Roberts, who was a free agent at the time, who had a batting average of 302 and averaged 17.7 stolen bases a season. Uh so once again, neither of those were as good at stealing bases as DeShields was, but they posted much better batting averages. And would have cost so much less. And also you would have been able to keep Pedro Martinez. So that's why it's painful, number one. Number two, taking you back to the 91 deal, uh, one of those guys that the Dodgers <laughs> traded away, John Wetland, was actually, a play- the Expos actually traded for him in 90 after 93 um so if the dodgers had held on to him they could have quite possibly used him in a deal to the expos and saved pedro martinez and number three uh the dodgers as a franchise made the playoffs more often than martinez did over the course of martinez's career which makes you wonder if they had kept martinez if they would have been able to shorten their world series drought Additionally, unlike the Expos, the Dodgers had the funds and the payroll to be able to make Martinez a career Dodger if they wanted, thereby reaping the benefits of his illustrious career. Now, obviously, this trade is disastrous with the benefit of hindsight, 
but the move that Claire instinctively knew was a bad choice could have been avoided a number of times if certain questionable decisions had not been made in the years leading up to the deal. Uh, also, it, to make matters worse, they doubled down on the deal afterwards, saying that uh, Tom Lasorda, the team manager, said they dealt Martinez because they didn't believe that he had a strong enough arm to really compete at the major league level. <laughs> Pedro Martinez uh, <laughs> has one of the strongest arms in baseball history. That is incredible. So that statement I, it's just wrong. It's just it's just wrong. <laughs> it's, it's just correct. I, I, I like how you double down on the you know the worst decision of your career. You're like, no, no, no. He he, he sucks. Just <laughs> yeah. Nobody down. look. Nobody look at what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Also, fun bonus fact didn't play really into the intrigue of the story, but Pedro's older brother was actually one of the starting pitchers for the Dodgers at the time. So I'm sure there was some unreported drama that happened behind the scenes, but who knows? Brother versus brother. Two, two, two brother. brothers with a with a baseball bat. And and just throwing balls and at each other. And and dad's not there to play catch. <laughs> so it's just two two brothers. But yeah, no, that's that story. And now that we have presented one of the worst moves in MLB history, where you feel pretty comfortable and confident in presenting our own proposals for those GMs we believe need a little amateur help to make their professional decisions. Uh, Nath, if you want to kick us off as our expert. <laughs> our baseball aficionado. Aficionado. Uh, my dear GM is to Ben Charrington, uh, the... One year in, uh, GM of the Pirates. You've just finished your first season. It was a short season, but nonetheless, you made a hell of an impression in your first full uh, year of being in charge. You cleared out the entire management levels from the minor leagues to the major leagues, new assistants and new farm and scouting directors. Uh, you come to Pittsburgh with a heavy reputation of being somebody who can build a strong foundation and a young core. Uh, that will build a contender for years to come. You built Boston into the teams that won in 2012 and established that core that won in 2018. With the Pirates, while they have been one of the worst teams in the league for years, uh, uh, you've got some bargaining chips to trade to contenders. You already traded away Josh Bell. Uh, the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Padres are in an arms race. Uh, so we have some pitchers that you can trade off as well. But one of the areas of concern for the future is catcher. Jacob Stallings had a good year last year, but he's 30, and there is no catching prospect behind him. Again, 30 is decrepit. 30 is ancient. <laughs> for the Pirates, where the oldest person after him is 28, and they just traded him away. Mm. Yes, 30 <laughs> is very old for this team. Sounds like reverse ageism. Actually, can you reverse it? <laughs> no. No, I don't think you can reverse any ism. <laughs> should not be a hot take. So out of the catching prospects that are out there, there's obviously Adley Rutschman in Baltimore, who was the first overall pick a year ago. But I would assume he is untouchable. Plus, it's Baltimore. It's tainted. Don't touch it. But take a trip a little yeah. farther north. You'll venture into my home area of Mets country. And the Mets have the fourth overall uh, catching prospect whose major league ETA is in 2023. The Mets are in need. You're right. Why don't you draft them straight out of college? In other sports, one day you're not in the league, the next day you're in. <laughs> you know, what's with this soft opening? 
Once you're in the lead, you're in the lead. Uh, I didn't care for that. <laughs> you can never leave the league. You're here forever. 20-year contract. <laughs> the Mets need a second baseman since Robinson Cano is suspended for the whole year for PEDs. Adam Frazier is young. He has two more years of arbitration, and he can play multiple positions as well. Joe Musgrove is the best pitcher the Pirates have that is a good trade commodity. While the Mets just acquired Francisco Lindor and Cookie Carrasco, Carrasco's in his 30s. <laughs> Cookie. <laughs> Cookie. <laughs> what is this? Shorter to cook somewhere. <laughs> hey, Cookie. Hey, Cookie. Make hey, Cookie. cookie. <laughs> Sorry. Go back. So, anyway, that's what you were saying. Carrasco's in his 30s and would be good depth to have just like Musgrove because the Mets are cursed to have some major pitching injury that knocks their rotation out every year. I read about it. Uh, if you pair Lindor and Frazier in the middle of the infield this year, you have a good combination that. Lindor can get the hits, and Frazier can play decent defense, and Lindor is above par defense as well. The Mets have uh, some youth that they can trade away. David Peterson just made his debut in the majors in the shortened season, and if the Mets want to win now, he's a valuable trade piece to a Pirates organization that just wants youth. So the trade is Francisco Alvarez, the catcher, plus David Peterson for Joe Musgrove, Adam Frazier, and some of the surplus money that the pirates have in their international pool. What, what is don't, don't explain it to me, but what is that wrong answers only? <laughs> it's a whole bunch of money that you'd only spend on uh, international process. Sounds like you gave me a right. Answer. <laughs> yeah. like a real answer. I wanted an like ethnically inclusive, like, well, it's all locked on the Cayman islands. So you can only get it there. That does okay. not sound international then. It's not here. It's just the Cayman. It's pool. not here. It's that's the, all that matters. It's the Cayman pool. <laughs> It's actually just, just the Arctic it's Ocean like, that the MLB is like, we own this. Cayman Pool so. makes me think it's just like Scrooge McDuck. And, oh, yeah, know. just diving into <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, once again. <clears throat> the Mets would get a ready-to-play proven major leaders while the Pirates can continue to begin the rebuilding process and gather more youth. Go Pirates. Go Pirates. Boo Pirates. Boo Sorry, pirates. I felt like somebody I, had to say someone it. Someone had to, and I agree, but wow. That was... Um, <laughs> That was really well done. You and Odysseus really went deep there. Very thorough. <laughs> and we appreciate it. But you're the one that knows these things, so that's why. Um, Andy, yeah. do you got something for us, my guy? Uh, yeah, okay. So so I don't know much about baseball. I think we've established that uh, a lot. So shout that's shout-out to just growing up in Pittsburgh and literally only seeing the, the Pirates play, which gross, you know. And uh, I, I will say the other credential I have is that I met the Orioles when I was four when I played t-ball. Which... Was that your make-a-wish? <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> each, each member of a t-ball team gets one wish. And I said, I, I want to meet just so badly want to meet the Orioles team. <laughs> the, <laughs> the 1999 Orioles team. It was great. My t-ball experience. We won a game, and then we all got popsicles, and I dropped mine in the dirt. Oh, I thought you were gonna be like, I think like, and then I got shingles or something. Like, shingles, person, chicken pox. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, true. <laughs> yeah, don't check me on that. Well, you can't have shingles without having chicken pox. It's true. Oh, you can't. Digress. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> since I'm still learning about the game. I decided for the first week that we were discussing baseball, I wanted to address new general manager, Kim Ng. 
Let me disclaimer, this is not an example of mismanagement. It's quite the opposite, in fact. No. (laughs) So for those of you who do not know much about Kim Ng, she has held many positions throughout her career in the MLB. She grew up playing softball on Long Island. Her first job in the Major League Baseball world was an intern with the White Sox as a research assistant in 1990 after graduating from the University of Chicago. She was offered a full-time position in 91. By 95, she was the White Sox assistant director of baseball operations, which is just that much more impressive when you think about this being a woman of Chinese descent in a male-dominant field in the 90s. Like, that's unheard of. And then in eight years from her start at 29 years old, she was hired as the youngest person in baseball up to that time to be the assistant general manager of the Yankees. During her time with the Yankees, they made playoffs all, all four years that she was there and won three World Series. 2001, she became the vice president and assistant general manager of the Dodgers. She got four more playoff appearances under her belt. In 2011, she became the vice president of baseball operations, making her the highest ranked woman in the league office. And then in November 2019, she was brought on as GM of the Miami Marlins. There are so many more ways that she impacted baseball. And like I, I read so much about like how she influenced arbitration cases and just, just made general history that I, I didn't even mention. But uh, please, everyone, do yourself a favor. Give her a Google. Go on MLB.com. That's where I got a lot of my information. Uh, just look up all of her amazing accomplishments. So I just want to say congrats. <clears throat> this, uh, this seems like something that's long overdue, and it's an incredible feat. 30-plus years in baseball is unbelievable to me, and I have no doubt you're going to do awesome things for Miami. I also want to shout out uh, Bianca Smith, not a GM, but uh, just for becoming the first black woman coach for the minor league Red Sox team. Uh, both of you guys are incredible and and absolutely amazing and, and actively paving the way for women and all people of color everywhere to chase a dream that is now a reality of being a part of the MLB. You guys are crazy inspiring. Yeah. Well, round of nice. applause yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, actually, yeah. that's actually cool. No, it's super impressive yeah. and a great. Yeah. But once again, reiterate, not mismanagement. <laughs> great. No, I cannot stress enough how right. fantastically I'm gonna follow that up with some some nonsense. All right. My dear GM <laughs> is to Yankees GM Brian Cashman. Mm. First of all, mm. straight money. Yeah. Second, my move here is not reinventing the wheel by any means. You need starting pitching. And you've got 32-year-old Tanaka sitting right there in free agency. If you let him slip away, you're going to have three open slots in your rotations, and you guys have some absolute sluggers. But the reason you left the postseason early is because of starting pitching. So make the smart move, re-sign Tanaka, and fill out that rotation. Humbly, Josh Sweezy. Short, sweet, Mm. to the point. Concise. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, similarly, this week, I'm addressing my proposal to the GM of the Cleveland TBDs, the Cleveland baseball team <laughs> for now, uh, their GM, Terry Francona. Clearly, your defense is solid and shows no signs of weakening behind the arm of Shane Bieber. There's no doubt that your biggest concern has to be offensive consistency, as your bats seem to slow down at all the wrong times this season. There are a few places in your lineup that needed an offensive tune-up, but the most glaring need is that catcher. You fielded four different catchers throughout the season with a collective batting average of 108, the best one of them posting a 165. And also their strikeout rate was a combined 32%. You need help getting bats at catcher. So you're telling me that's bad. Oh, it's bad. Okay. Westover, how bad is that? <laughs> oh, it's trash. Okay. I, I could do oh, that. Trash. Yeah. Just swinging blindly. <laughs> Therefore, I propose the following trade. 
Cleveland would receive catcher Christian Vasquez and shortstop slash second base prospect Cameron Cannon. And Boston would receive pitcher Cal Quantrill, shortstop Gabriel Arias, and relief pitcher Nick Whitgren. Boston is in rebuild mode and in need of prospects and pitching. And catcher Vasquez will be turning 30 next season. Once again, ancient. So they're probably not going to keep him around for a rebuild. Might as well retire. <clears throat> Just retire him. Take him out back. <laughs> Oh God! To, to, just the that's so where we're the, the retired to, to sign to sign the dotted lines. We do it out back. That's He's one retired. of the older players in the Red Sox lineup, and his batting average of two eighty three and twenty two percent strikeout rate make him an appealing and attainable asset that could easily shore up that need a catcher. <clears throat> so that's my proposal, and coincidentally, that's the podcast. In the words of former Rays GM Chuck Lamar, quote, the only thing that keeps this organization from being recognized as one of the finest in baseball is wins and losses at the major league level. Thanks for listening. And remember, this was mismanaged.